Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyon, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at houseofcardsradio.com. You know what cheers me up? What? Rolled up aces over kings. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The House of Cards. Today, the game is different. With author and professional poker player Ashley Adams. Okay, you have some skill. Hello, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. Welcome to House of Cards. A very interesting show. Uh, we try to get guests that talk about all sorts of different things, and we have succeeded with uh, today's show. We have the extraordinary Tom McAvoy, World Series of Poker main event champion, recent Poker Hall of Fame inductee, and we are going to be talking to him. And then we're going to talk with Drew Crompton. Drew is the chief of staff of the Pennsylvania State Senate leader, Joe Scarnati. He's going to be talking about a study committee looking to possibly expand casino gambling in Pennsylvania. Uh, That's interesting on two fronts, both because it may include expanding the locations of brick-and-mortar casinos, but also because it may address the issue of Internet gambling in Pennsylvania. And, of course, if Pennsylvania got Internet gambling, then you could have a confederation, a compact among three states, potentially Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware, which may be New York coming in and it starts to build towards a national model. So we're going to talk about that. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. House of Cards want to wish you the happiest of holidays. And in celebration of the holiday season, we would like to present that beautiful holiday favorite, Silent Night, sung by that wonderful soprano, Chewbacca. Everyone. We mean everyone. Everyone! 
Are you still shopping the old-fashioned way? Well, then buzz on over to Beezit.com. Beezit is your number one online auction source for brand-name new items from companies like Apple, Sony, Canon, Dyson, Samsung, and more at discounts of 75 85 and 99% off retail. Go to Beezit.com and use the offer code VIP and get three bids for the price of one. That's offer code VIP to get three bids for the price of one. Go to Beezit.com, B-E-E-Z-I-D.com, Beezit.com. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE16 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE16 at adamandeve.com. You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at houseofcardsradio.com. This is House of Cards Radio with Ashley Adams. Card player, gambler, scoundrel, you'd like it. Hello, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. And just as promised, we are incredibly fortunate to have one of the true greats of the poker universe. We have World Series of Poker main event champion and recent Hall of Fame of Poker inductee Tom McAvoy. Tom, are you there? I'm there. and Good to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here. You're actually a returning guest. I think you were on our show I, in the first year when we were just on the Internet, that was uh, like six years ago. A lot has happened in the yeah. poker world since then. Tell us about your Hall of Fame induction. It's a, an event long and coming. What was that like for you? Well, this is something that um, I consider the the highest honor a person can achieve in the poker world next to winning the main event itself and to have done both as did my fellow inductee, Scotty Wynn. It was just uh, really incredible. Uh, I've been wanting this for a long time, and I guess it makes it all a little sweeter when I finally did get in. <laughs> and I'm sure Scotty felt the same way. Well, so I... It's certainly, it's certainly the highlight of my poker career next to one of them made that. I got to just say, uh, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. I, I can't tell you how many people... I have spoken to and met in the poker world who credit you with their success as poker players, uh, just modeling themselves after you, having been coached by you, having read the stuff that you've written. I don't know if our po- if our listeners know. Can you tell our listeners some of the stuff you've done other than win the main event as far as books you've written and other tournaments that you've won? 
Oh, yeah, for sure. I've, I've been teaching poker for on our off for 30 years now, doing both private teaching and public seminars, and I still do that. In fact, uh, I, I kind of kid some of my students who've gotten good results. I think I'm a better coach than I'm a player these days, and some of my students have uh, had remarkable success. Well, I never guarantee that any of them will ever win a, a World Series event or a major tournament, but the fact is two of them do have bracelets and two others came in third in the seniors event of all things. So I have had some uh, success with some of my students, although I can't ever guarantee it. But I do make one guarantee when I work with them, and that is uh, after I'm done teaching them, they will be a better player. And that's one guarantee I can always live up to. Now, how does how does a player who wants to take lessons from the great Tom McAvoy actually go about doing that? How do they how do they contact you and set up lessons, and what do they cost? I'm just curious. Uh, I've been charging a hundred dollars an hour. Uh, some of the uh, public seminars that I teach, I don't have control on the prices, so it's whatever the uh, whoever in charge charges. Like I do some of the WSOP. Uh, camps, and I've done others, um, so, and I have no uh, you know, no influence on uh, the price of those, but my own personal lessons are 100 per hour, and I, I can do them over the phone, or I, it's always better to do them in person, obviously, and I do them in a variety of ways. I teach all games. Not everybody wants to uh, no limit hold them, but that's the most popular game, so I teach more of that. And some people want cash games, some want tournaments, some, some want both. I, I do it all. I play all games, and I teach all games. So how does somebody contact you and actually uh, contract with you for some lessons? Do it. Okay. Well, I, I either can give out my, my cell phone over the air. Sure, whatever you want. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, I'll give you a my cell phone number, and I also have my um, uh, email address. So right. My cell, cell phone, which I accept my calls and so forth, is uh, area code 702 is 810-5939. 702-810-5939. And my email address is my name, Tom, T-O-M, McAvoy, M-C-E-V-O-Y, at coxcox.net. Terrific. So it's it's uh, Tom McAvoy at cox.net, and then you gave out your phone number. We'll um, we'll put them up on our site so that uh, people can know. Now, when you teach, what do you focus on? I mean, do you, you just ask questions of what people want to learn? Or do you have a set kind of curriculum for each game, or do you take them to a poker room if they're there and watch them? How do you go about it? All of the above. <laughs> the first thing I do is I ask uh, new students in particular, please prepare a list of questions that they would like to discuss, or hands they're not sure of, or just any poker-related uh, questions that might pop into their mind. Heck, sometimes I'll, I'll teach students, and they'll, they'll have a little bit of poker questions they want to answer, and then they just want to hear stories about personalities and people I've played over the years, uh, whatever, their nickel, I'll be happy to accommodate. But I, I do, I tailor each lesson uh, individually to the student's needs. In other words, I tell the student, you tell me what you want, and then I'll provide 
to the best of my ability. Um, gotcha. Whatever expertise I have in that area. I gotcha. But uh, I'm interested in the folks that will pay you to tell them stories. Can you give us a story or two about some of the poker games you've been in or some of the players you've played against that our listeners can experience vicariously and not have to pay for? <laughs> Where do you begin? I, I have um, played with every single main event champion through Joe Cato. I haven't played in the last four-year champions. Uh, I just haven't had the opportunity yet. Uh, with the exception of Hal Fowler, and he was the only amateur, true amateur, to ever win the main event. And then he he quit playing the very next year and uh, disappeared and then passed away. So I never got a chance to play him. But I have played every main event champion and practically every main player you can think of at one time or another, uh, usually in a tournament format. And um, I've seen all kinds of <laughs> weird Situation. Tell us about playing against Johnny Moss. Well, he was something. Now, if you want to call talk about being a grumpy old man, and Johnny Moss in his uh, later years was just that. He was a grumpy old man. But I always liked him, and I always got along with him. Uh, the fact that I had also was a main event champion like he was, that kind of created a little bond between them. But... Uh, he fell in love with the Omaha high-low split, which was never his best game, and that was a game that was fairly new at the time he started playing it. And uh, he didn't do so good in it. It was played a little bit. So he wound up not doing so great towards the end. But in his heyday, and he was 68 years old, he still won the main event one year when he was 68. Even though it was a smaller field, it was still a very tough field. Uh, the guy was... Without a doubt, in his heyday, the premier player in the world. I mean, he was he was unbelievable. This guy, he, he just had a, his instincts like you wouldn't believe. This guy did not have a, a lot of formal education, but he was uh, just fantastic with his ability to read people and to kind of get into their heads and know what they were doing. And believe it or not, even though he could barely add two and two and come up with four. The math part, he was just instinctive with. I mean, I know this because I played with him many times, and uh, he was he was phenomenal. But even when he was past his prime, he was still one heck of a player. Uh, we're going to be back right after a quick break. Are you or a loved one currently suffering from arthritis, COPD, or other chronic conditions and can't get relief from current treatments? If so, there may be another option. Local physicians are conducting research studies in your area today, and you may be eligible to receive up to $1,300 in compensation for participation. These studies are confidential and are taking place for a limited time. Call 855-912-PAIN, 855-912-PAIN today to see if you qualify. Health insurance is not required. Call 855-912-7246. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. 
with contributors like Bill Lyon, Stan Hoffman, and George Anastasia with his own Mob Scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. You're listening to the House of Cards. How lucky you are. With Ashley Adams. I'm kind of a big deal. People know me. Who the hell do you think you are? Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. For listeners who just tuned in, we were talking to the great Tom McAvoy, Hall of Fame inductee and World Series of Poker main event winner. What about um, a more recent but still in the past player that people think they know a lot about? What about playing with Stewie Unger? He was a phenomenal individual. He, he, to me, Stu Younger was like a meteor that streaked through the sky, burned out quickly, and crashed and destroyed himself. Now, everybody knows that knew Stu at all, knowing he had a severe uh, drug problem. So, when he wasn't messed up with drugs, unfortunately, most of the time he was, but when he wasn't, when he was halfway straight, there wasn't a better player alive. And when he first started out his career, he jumped right into the biggest games against the toughest players. I know, because I was there. When he first came to Las Vegas in 1980, I had already moved to Las Vegas. And um, he was, the Stone Card Stud was still the main game for big cash side action at the time. He started right out playing the toughest players and beating them. And then, of course, he ran out his first two years that he entered the main event of the World Series. He won both times, including... Uh, a victory over uh, Doyle Brunson, and which was uh, you know pretty impressive since Doyle's record in main event speaks for itself. So he he was just phenomenal, but what? he was the most self-destructive um, poker player I ever met. He just he just totally destroyed himself. He was dead at 45. He was so messed up with drugs after he won his third championship in 1998. He had a room at the Horseshoe and couldn't come down to defend this title. I mean, he he wanted his, I'm talking about in 1998, he couldn't come down to defend the title. He had just won the previous year, 1997. So in 1998, he was so messed up with drugs, he couldn't come down to defend his title. And, and he was given a, a total free roll, like a 60% free roll. It was, just, it was very, very sad. And of course, a few months later, he was dead. And drugs killed him. Right. So dead at 45, a genius. Uh, this guy, I don't think he had, I don't even know if he finished school or not, but he, he, he was the most unbelievable card player you ever met. He would pick up a hand of, and play gin, you know, where he just dealt 10 cards. He would pick up a gin hand and never touch one single card in, or, or place them in a uh, sequence like most. Gin players do, myself included, in my head. 
the whole hand. And within about four picks from the deck, he almost always knew almost exactly what his opponent held and what to do about it. He was just virtually unbeatable in gym. He was just phenomenal. The poker wasn't even his best game, and, you know, he won the main event three times and a couple other World Series events and numerous other uh, main events. He played 30 tournaments lifetime with a $10,000 buy-in. And get this, he won came in first, 10 of them. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, Tom. You've seen the livest player in the game. You've seen a lot of. I mean, this is an understatement, if ever there were one. You've seen a lot of different poker players. You know a lot about what it takes to become good. You've helped people become better. You yourself have experienced all sorts of things in the poker world. What was there about him that made him so? incredibly successful. I mean, to win 33 and a third percent of all the $10,000 events you've entered is freaky, incredibly uh, positive, even if you were only playing with 10-person fields. And a lot of those fields were into the hundreds, if not thousands. What what made him so incredible? He had, um, one thing, he had a photographic memory. Uh, and that included players he may have played before. He, he was phenomenal. If he played you once, he always logged in everything you ever did. He was able to so get into the heads of even the best players and, and use psychology against them. It was just amazing. When he was on and not messed up, there was just no stopping him. This, this guy was just unbeatable. And he was the master of what is one of the hardest plays in no one that holds. The three-barrel bluff, knowing when to fire that third barrel. Sometimes, you know, you'll bet the flop, you know, or even the turn card without having a hand. But, but to, to, to fire a third time at the river with nothing, you got to really <laughs> have the balls to do it and uh, pick the right opponent. He was a master at that. He was just incredible. And, of course, he knew when the slow play. He was capable of making laydowns if he had to. Uh, he, he was just something else. I mean, a guy like him comes along literally uh, like once in a lifetime. Mm. And uh, there's nobody, no matter how talented the current group of players are, and there are some very talented players, including Bill Ivey, you know, of course, in that group, um, none of them were as good as Stu Unger was. Mm. Under's heyday, his prime when he wasn't on drugs. Let him touch him. All right, I want to switch gears a little. This is for listeners who just tuned in. We are talking to the great Tom McAvoy, winner of the World Series of Poker main event and a, the most recent inductee, along with Scotty Wynn, in the Poker Hall of Fame. What are you doing these days at the tables? Are you playing home games? Are you doing cash games? Are you playing games other than Hold'em? What's your playing situation these days? Well, I always have played all the games, not just hold them. But um, actually, since I got inducted a month ago into the Hall of Fame, I kind of just took some downtime. I've been spending a lot of time at home with my family and my dog, <laughs> who I am uh, madly in love with and who loves me too. And we <laughs> you know, spend a lot of time together. But actually, uh, I play in three private leagues. <laughs> 
two of them are in a casino, one's in a private home, which technically, I don't know, that's probably borderline legal. We don't charge a rate or anything. Um, and the, the winners of the leagues get World Series of Poker seats. And I run one of the leagues at the Stratosphere in Las Vegas. In fact, we have to play this coming Thursday night. We meet once once a month for 11 months, and then the winner, the overall winner gets a $10,000 main event seat, and second gets 5000 in buy-ins, third, 2500 and fourth, $1,500. So only 11 players in a league. And you're one of them? I play another league. Pardon? You're, yeah, of course you're... I'm one of them. Two years <laughs> well... ago, I won the league. I didn't, I didn't run it. Two years ago, uh, and I uh, I did win the main event seat. Last year, I ran the league and came in second, so I got five thousand. Then I got everybody to agree to uh, let me raise the other five and play representing our league. Because there's a little catch. Here's the catch: the other league members each get five percent of the action of the winner. Ah. They play. So so, everybody has a vested interest. That also prevents people from quitting. You know, they don't have a chance to win themselves because they will have a vested interest in whoever does win the various seats. So you and pay, just so I'm clear, seats. the league is once a month. You um, have 11 months. You have 11 players. Yeah, we actually double up in, in the month of May. We, we, have to, we do 11 sessions, but we do a double session in May, so that the World Series starts very tail end of May, so the league is done by mid-May, and then the World Series runs in June and July, but we don't do any leagues in June and July, but we start up again in August. And I actually got, like, a waiting list, um, so, and I do have turnovers, so every time, every every year, like, a couple of players drop out, and I have people, you know, Asking me if, if they can, uh, you know, replace someone. Sure. Like Do you have anybody who doesn't live in Las Vegas and who just travels into town just to play in these league games? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one guy lives in uh, the Phoenix area, <laughs> and we here's what we did for this guy. I told you one of the the three leagues is at a private house, and it's a horse league where we play in uh, the horse games. Yes, and we we piggybacked it so that. The host league is on Wednesday night, the first Wednesday of the month, and then my league is the first Thursday of the month. So the same guy comes in and plays in both, only has to make one trip. <laughs> so we, we do that. Uh, but he's the only one that's, like, uh, not living in Las Vegas. I see. This time around. That's great. That's great. And uh, so one's a horse league, the other two are no-limit hold'em leagues? Yeah. The other two, I don't run the other one. Two of them are at the Stratosphere. And I said the horse league, the two no-limit leagues are at the Stratosphere. And I, I'm in contention for a seat, but not for a main event seat in the uh, second one. Gotcha. In the one in the league that I won, I'm in uh, third place right now. We do a point system uh, with 11 players. Whoever wins a given month gets 11 points, second 10, third 9, all the way down to one point for 11th. So whoever has the most points at the end of the year wins there's only a, this is how tough this league is. The top five players is only a two point difference between <laughs> first and fifth. Wow! Um, all right, now I'm third, two points out of first. So, the real battle. 
Any other players, players, any other players in the league, people that you have taught or any other names that we might know? Well, let's see, names you might know. Most of them are local vegans who play a lot of poker, but aren't, uh, other than maybe Kenneth James, I guess you, you've heard of him. Yes. Uh, yeah, he plays in our league. Uh, most of them, uh, a lot of them are professional players too, but they're, they're not big tournament names you know, that are familiar to the general public. Wow. Well, I wish I lived in Las Vegas. I would love to get on the waiting list for one of those leagues so that we could play, and uh, I think that would be fun and possibly uh, remunerative, given the fact that I'd get a 5% share of whoever won and got to play in the main event. That would be terrific. Tom, I would love to talk to you longer. We're just about out of time, but I wanted to ask you, any projects, anything you're thinking of working on now that you're inducted into the Hall of Fame, you've already won a main event. uh, Are there any other poker Ladders to le- left to climb that you, uh, you're you looking to do over the next few years? Two things. Uh, I'm doing an e-book right now. The first time I've ever uh, done an e-book will be out sometime next year. And it's more of a, a poker and life philosophy book than a strategy book. And uh, it's, 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 you know, like most poker books are real technical and they're textbooks. This isn't like that at all. So I'm... Um, I've written most of it, so I've got to do a little bit of work. So that's the first ebook I've ever uh, attempted. And um, I would love to be hooked up uh, with another online site. Since Black Friday, you know, my, I was the, the very first team pro for Poker Stars, and Chris Moneymaker became the second one. I would have loved to have uh, been able to go back to Poker Stars, but that's not going to happen, I guess, for the immediate future until such time maybe is. They get back in the United States, and maybe not then. But I would love to be hooked up again, you know, with a online site, a legal one, of course. Right, of course, of course. Well, I hope that does happen, and I hope it happens sooner rather than later, because that means we'll be playing on Poker Stars sooner rather than later, which uh, I am eager to do again. What a great site that was! Um, the best right? and there to me, Poker Stars was the true heroes of Black Friday because they paid everybody immediately. And they, when they took over full tilt, they tried to pay everybody that was owed money in full tilt. The only thing prevented them was our good old U.S. government, who uh, we won't, I won't even tell you how stupid I think they are, but they're plenty stupid. <laughs> a, a topic for another day, perhaps. <laughs> yes. Tom, thank you for sharing your cell phone and email information for our listeners. Uh, we're going to go, but I'm looking forward to having you coming back on when you have your ebook out. All right, anytime. All right. Take care and so long, everybody. Thank you, Tom. The great Tom McAvoy, Hall of Fame inductee and World Series of Poker main event winner. Listeners, we're going to be uh, taking a quick break, then we'll be right back. You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. 
Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE16 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE16 at adamandeve.com. Hey, this is Dave Weishadol from House of Cards with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of December 16th, 2013. In a surprising turn of events, Caesars Entertainment has filed a lawsuit in federal court against Massachusetts Gambling Commission Chairman Stephen Crosby. Once a partner with Suffolk Downs to build a $1 billion casino at the old Boston racetrack, Caesars was dropped from the project over concerns that the company would fail the mandatory state background check. Caesars is now challenging the constitutionality and fairness of the selection process and alleges that Crosby failed to disclose a conflict of interest due to the fact that he was a friend of the landowner of another site that was competing for the same license. PokerStars has been notified by the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement that its application for a casino service industry license was suspended for two years. Prior to the suspension, PokerStars had plans to team up with Resorts Casino Hotel to offer internet gambling in the Garden State. The division based its decision on an unresolved federal indictment against PokerStars founder alleging violations of federal gambling statutes. And finally, if anyone was in Reno this past Monday, they could have gambled at the city's smallest casino, but just for one day. Jeff Siri plans on opening up his casino next spring on a site that has sat vacant for nearly nine years. So, in order to satisfy the technical requirements of the property's unrestricted gaming license, Siri opened up for eight hours with 16 slot machines. So there you have it, Reno's biggest little casino in town. Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow us on Twitter at HOC Radio. The key to winning poker is knowledge, and winning No Limit Hold'em, the new book by World Series of Poker veteran Ashley Adams, can give you that knowledge. Cash games, small tournaments, whether you're a seasoned player, a novice, or just find yourself losing more often than you win, winning No Limit Hold'em can show every type of player how to consistently win at the game of No Limit Hold'em. You know it's been said that winning isn't everything, but it sure feels a whole lot better than losing. Get winning No Limit Hold'em, the new book by Ashley Adams, and start winning today. Now available at Amazon.com and wherever great books are sold. Theater 5 presents A House of Cards But are we cool? Not really Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. Uh, we tend to have guests on who talk about poker and the like, but uh, sometimes we get into the more technical legislative aspects of gambling, and that's the case now. We are fortunate to be joined by the chief of staff of Pennsylvania's state Senate leader, Joe Scarnati, the name of the chief of staff, and the guest in, on today's broadcast is Drew Crompton. Drew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, we're happy to have you, and uh, I'm eager to understand 
a little bit of the background before the filing of this recent study bill by the senator. Why don't you give our listeners a oh one or two minute uh, history lesson in gambling, legal gambling, that is, in Pennsylvania? Sure, be glad to. Um, we started with just slots about eight, nine, or eight or nine years ago in uh, some facilities. We we have different category facilities in Pennsylvania. Uh, most of our facilities, ironically enough, uh, are in the borders of Pennsylvania, so they're always neighboring to another state. We have some in Philadelphia, uh, all the way up in Erie, Pittsburgh, uh, and different parts of the state. We have a couple in central Pennsylvania, but they started as freestanding facilities and associated with the racetracks that we already had in Pennsylvania. We allowed slots for several years. That went well. We added table games to those facilities, uh, both the stand, what we call the standalone facilities, or just they were they were non they are non associated with horse racing, and then we have four or five that are associated with horse racing, and then as I said, about four years ago or five years ago, we added table games to those facilities, um, the typical table games that that most of your uh, listeners probably are familiar with blackjack, roulette, uh, those those some poker rooms, and then we also have a category three, which we have two of them in, in Pennsylvania, uh, one in central or, or western part of Pennsylvania, one near Philadelphia. They're category threes. They're small facilities. They're associated with uh, the tourism industry, and they. Also have slots and table games, but they are on a much smaller scale. And so right now, I think we have 11 or 12 active casinos around the state, all different sizes, as I mentioned. And uh, that's really the lay of the land in Pennsylvania as, as we know it right now. Well, thank you for that, Drew. I should just add, listeners, that I have played in all of the poker rooms in Pennsylvania. And with no exceptions... Uh, the poker and the casino gaming around the poker has been thriving. At least it looks to be thriving. I can't talk about the house take uh, or the revenue, but Pennsylvania is ablaze with poker and casino gambling to the detriment, I, I must say, of poker in New Jersey and Atlantic City. And um, it, it itself now, I imagine people are poaching from the Pennsylvania games when they opened up games in Ohio New York seems slated to open something up, although they've already had poker rooms on Indian reservations. So it's a very competitive world out there. How would you say the experiment with uh, casino gambling has gone in Pennsylvania as far as revenue is concerned? Well, as revenue, as even as a public opinion, it's gone well in both, in both marks. I think a lot of people were hesitant to go into this foray seven or eight or nine years ago because there was a belief that there would be this public backlash, uh, especially in the more rural or socially conservative parts of Pennsylvania. But we really found that, that a lot of that was uh, just didn't have any teeth. It, it, it just People have accepted these facilities. If they want to go, they go. And if they don't want to go, they don't go. And uh, there's been wide acceptance for them uh, all over the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And, I, and as far as revenue goes, they've done great. They've raised, um, there was always talk that you could garner a billion dollars of taxpayer dollar or, or back to the Commonwealth, a billion dollars. And that estimate has, quite frankly, rang pretty true. Uh, the one thing I would say about Pennsylvania that we're a little different is that we have a very high tax rate. And therefore, 
sometimes in some of these facilities you don't see the uh, the surrounding areas change a whole lot. Now, for some, that's good, but for others who are looking for other economic development right associated with the casinos, that's generally not the case in most of the casinos. They're just standalones. They're, they're thriving, uh, I think, both from, as you mentioned, I think they're thriving from the, even from the owner's perspective, even with a high tax rate. But, uh, the, you know, the, one of the things that was the impetus behind our study is that our revenues over the last 12 months have been a bit stagnant. They haven't been decreasing, but they haven't been increasing either. And the idea was to look at different ways, look at different aspects that other states offer, and see if there's anything else that we can make what we think is a good Pennsylvania law even better. All right. I think that's a good good place to insert a few questions for you to ponder and answer. First of all, you know, in Massachusetts, and we have a station out here, and a number of our listeners are from Massachusetts, uh, there is legislation now being proposed to undo the legislation that enabled casino gambling, which has not yet started in Massachusetts. And the critics of casino gambling point to, in this referendum question they're trying to get on the ballot, they point to what they believe will be the social negative impact of casino gambling. And I'm wondering if you could comment on these four things that are usually touted as reasons to stop or to greatly hinder the ability of casinos to open in a state. They, they cite four things. Uh, the declining businesses that surround a casino, that the business climate will not just stagnate, but it will plummet, that people will no longer go to restaurants or seek services in the communities where the casinos are located. Two, that there'll be an increase in crime. Three, that there'll be an unacceptable increase in traffic. And four, that this that the proximity of casinos will inevitably lead to a rise, a dangerous rise, critics say, in gambling addiction. What's happened in Pennsylvania and why, in spite of what may have happened, are you thinking that maybe you need to expand gambling? Well, we've heard we heard all the same. I mean, that that's pretty much, I think, a standard playbook for those who, who are either morally or just personally opposed to gambling. Um Look, we took some precautions in light of the same complaints that we took. We have the state police regulate activity in and around our casinos. So uh, certainly the formidable presence of police in each one of these casinos uh, is noticeable. And therefore, I don't really, I've never heard any documentable uh, statistics that there was some sort of arbitrary spike in crime. Um, well, we took a, we took a sizable amount of the money and dedicated it to uh, addiction, and we have a we have a program, a well established program now in Pennsylvania to address addiction of gaming for those for those who just can't do it with moderation. Um, as far as the other surrounding areas of the casinos, they, as I mentioned, they're really not thriving per se, but they certainly have not. Uh, seen some sort of decrease of activity. Uh, some of these casinos are in relatively, I say remote, but I mean just isolated areas, um, such as the one in, near the Poconos. Near, Pen- uh, near you know, Pocono is a good example. Another one in Mount Airy. near Harrisburg, right? Um, in Grantville, Pennsylvania, it's it's an isolated place, but there's no. For those that, that do have surrounding areas like the Sands in Bethlehem, uh, Pennsylvania, those that area has 
not in fact they haven't decreased, but that area of opportunity for uh, shopping, for uh, additional hotel, for restaurants that has in fact increased around the Sands facility. So, look, I, I, I understand the criticisms, and sometimes it just comes down to people's flavor. They just don't like a casino. I understand that, but really, we haven't we haven't confronted any of those negative aspects that you listed for me. Mm -hmm. Okay, well then, here's a broader question, and uh, I'm interested in knowing also the timing and whether there's bipartisan support for your study commission, but here's my bigger question. How much money can go into gambling before there starts to be no more money? I mean, if you look back just 20 years ago, you had gambling in Nevada, you had some poker rooms in California. They were just opening, you know, Foxwoods had just started, and maybe they were starting a couple of riverboats in a very small way. But other than that, there was nothing. I mean, you'd have bingo night at the church, and you may, you had some lottery tickets, but you have all that stuff now anyway. And now you have overlaid on that background 35, 37 states that have some form of casino gambling and they're going gang, but how much money is out there left to capture? Look, I think the saturation argument is valid. At some point, there's a saturation. Uh, at some point, uh, facilities are not going to be either as robust or robust at all in some areas of, of either Pennsylvania or in other states. Uh, we started this a little bit ahead of the curve, as you mentioned, uh, before Ohio started to get on board. And other places. So there is saturation, and we have small games of chance at taverns. We have the lottery that is thriving in Pennsylvania, and there is this, the constant question, even in the city of Philadelphia, where there is one casino, uh, one casino uh, there's two, there's one in Chester, but there's one in Philadelphia. Uh, and then and there's and, a little one, too. Isn't there like the Sugar Shack or the Sugar something? Sugar House. That's sugar the one house. In, that Sugar House is in Philadelphia. It's it's small, but not all that small. But there's another license in Philadelphia still that is Unfilled. that is unclaimed. Right. Uh, or yeah, in fact, it hasn't been awarded and it hasn't been built yet. So there's been lots of conversation to your point about saturation. What point is there enough? Now, some people in Philadelphia do not want to see that second facility. I think ultimately Philadelphia is going to have a second facility. But uh, your points are valid. But at this point, quite frankly there seems to be enough disposable income to, um, to, to make all these institutions at least make payroll uh, and, and in most cases do better than that. Hmm. Does it trouble you at all, and I, I'm just presuming, maybe incorrectly, that you're a fiscal conservative. I see that you're, you, know, you work for the uh, state Senate leader who is a Republican, uh, Senator Joe Scarnati. Does it concern you at all that so much of the public budget is coming from gambling? Yes. What do you think we should do about that? Well, look, there's there's an overdependence on that, uh, especially, as I said, in Pennsylvania, we have a high tax rate, and therefore the proceeds are considerable. Now, most of our gaming – not all, but most of our gaming proceeds go into 
property tax relief or economic development. The point is it doesn't drive the actual budget of Pennsylvania. Not your operating We have table games revenue that goes into the general fund. We have other, certainly, lottery uh, that goes to senior programs. I mean, these are programs that are very important. They're not necessarily in the actual core of Pennsylvania's budget. But, look, we don't. We don't want the senior programs to go away. We don't want property tax relief to go away. So there's absolutely a dependency on these funds. Um, Look, we have a strong dependency in Pennsylvania on cigarette taxes. That's that's a bit of a a crapshoot as well. So, I mean, it does trouble me. You you don't want to over-rely, but honestly... Once you start taking the money on an annual basis, I'm not sure uh, what to do in the future except to, contri- to, to try to continue to make these institutions thrive. Well, except you're going, at least the study committee, the study process that's being set up looks to go further than that. You're looking to potentially expand the money that's coming from gambling, right? I mean, that's what the study commission is all well, about. Well, I... I Yes and no. A lot of this has been surrounded by the idea of uh, Internet gaming. Uh, I think most of the people in Pennsylvania, elected officials, are, are a question mark on Internet gaming right now. Yes, we'll study it. Yes, we'll look at what New Jersey is doing. Yes, we'll see the viability of it, at least in one example. But I don't think uh, most of the people I work for are yet willing to say yes we're for without you know without hesitation that yes we're for internet gaming i think there's lots to learn from that which is why uh my boss wanted to take this study have an in to the point that we can get an independent firm to study the viability of not just internet gaming, uh, but also other options that other states have put into place to see if we should change the law in pennsylvania the answer very well might be back no that our law is solid, that our law is thriving, and no changes are necessarily warranted. I but see. Unless we ask a group, I don't think we'll, we'll know what the answers are. But, yes, one of the considerations will be whether Internet gaming is viable. Well, that was actually my next question, and I did not realize that this had to do with Internet gaming. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, for listeners who just tuned in, we're talking with Drew Crompton, who's the chief of staff of the Pennsylvania State Senate. Uh, leader Joe Scarnati. Oh, I'll tell you for what it's worth, Drew. I'll give you my two cents. I think that uh, the idea that gambling itself is illegal is a terrible thing that goes back to a time when people uh, made a lot of things illegal that shouldn't have been illegal, and that if we want big box store gambling facilities, we should be allowed to have them if there are developers that are responsible, that regulated, taxed. But I think what I really what really galls me is that. There's no opportunity for mom-and-pop small business gambling to go on, like a corner poker room uh, like you have in other countries where you just have you know, a bar and in the back they have a poker room and they rake a little bit and they have a game once or twice a week like they have in Montana or Wyoming. I think we should be encouraging small business as well as giant business gambling uh, not so much to encourage gambling, but to allow it in a smaller setting so that it's not as impactful and it doesn't have to be such a huge process. Just let every Joe that wants to set up a small poker game 
uh, do so. I mean, my God, we're all playing poker anyway. It's not something that uh, I think should be illegal. I don't know. Has anyone ever considered that piece of the gambling world, the small business piece? Honestly, the, the, the report may or may not address that. I don't know. I, I haven't heard that much. Um, but there's no, make no mistake about it. The criticism, if you will, that you just laid out is, is valid in the sense that it is a big business in Pennsylvania. Yep. It is most of the operators of, of these casinos in, throughout the state are, you know, the international chain, if you will. Um, so, you know, the Sands. The, the the other types of of names that most people have heard, right? Uh, even Wynn was in, interested, although he recently dropped out of the Philadelphia Second License. So, look, this is big business. This is this is big big money, uh, and I, I think it's valid in the sense that it is not a small business entrepreneurial type of environment in Pennsylvania. Whether we'll ever get there or not, I don't know. <laughs> Well, I've appreciated you coming on and answering our questions, Joe. I'm eager to see the uh, conclusionary results of this study commission, and uh, I'm also eager to go back to Pennsylvania and play some poker at Chester and Parks and Sands <laughs> and very good. I like all over the place. Well. Yep. Well, thanks for joining us. And uh, for, feel free to come me. back on again when there's something to report from this committee. Great. Sometime in, uh, in the end of May, early June, the report should be done. I'd be, lo- uh, be glad to chat with you about it. Terrific. Listeners, that was Drew Crompton, Chief of Staff of the Pennsylvania State Senate Leader, Joe Scarnati. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Are you still shopping the old-fashioned way? Well, then buzz on over to Beezit.com. Beezit is your number one online auction source for brand-name new items from companies like Apple, Sony, Canon, Dyson, Samsung, and more at discounts of 75 85 and 99% off retail. Go to Beezit.com and use the offer code VIP and get three bids for the price of one. That's offer code VIP to get three bids for the price of one. Go to Beezit.com. B-E-E-Z-I-D.com. Beezit.com. We at House of Cards want to wish you the happiest of holidays. And in celebration of the holiday season, we would like to present that beautiful holiday favorite, Silent Night, sung by that wonderful soprano, Chewbacca. to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. Here's the wonderful Joan Rivers with her thoughts on poker players. And your people, you give money with blood on it. I met your people in Vegas for 40 years. 
None of them have last names. None of them. They have cash pools. You're a poker player. A poker player. That's That's beyond white trash. Poker players are the most awesome people in the world. Poker players are trash, darling. Trash. House of Cards, proudly serving your white trash needs since 2007. Welcome back, listeners. This is House of Cards. I'm Ashley Adams. And before we end, I just want to remind all our listeners that we are always interested in your questions and comments about the show, about the guests, about maybe guests that you'd like us to have on. Send your questions to info at houseofcardsradio.com. We're very interested in them. We'll put them on the air and answer them here. So that will do it for the show. Come back next week for more House of Cards. Good night and good luck. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.